What's up, y'all? Welcome to, back to the Onyx Report. Yeah, hope everybody's good out there. Okay. Anyway, Onyx Report is where we as black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. So I hope y'all are with it. Uh, it is a beautiful Wednesday. But y'all can tell I am still not quite back on my groove, so I'm a little late. And I appreciate y'all's patience. Uh, we are broadcasting today on innerlightradio.com, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. So uh, forgive the lateness. I also am shadow banned again because I haven't been consistently putting up videos. So that plus just being late is not, you know, not the best recipe. But I do support those of y'all who are the hardcore listeners that have been with me since the beginning and are still here. So, uh, what's up, Brother Damon? Brother No One, what's going on? Jay Cleveland, hey Rue, right? Queen Kalila, uh, Spain Man, what's up? Got Jeremy, got Black Men Being Brutally Honest, Hawk TV, Christopher, what's going on? Mike, High Scholar, what's up, man? Got Steven, Donnie, uh, E. Housley, what's going on? LaShawn and Brandon. Brandon, appreciate that support. The great doctor back in the fold. Great to see you. Yeah, I'm getting back in it, man, slowly but surely. I am one brother Malika. What's up? We got Perry, Golden Child, Muada. Always good to see you. Uh, Dapper Dons, see y'all in there. Phil. All right. So I hope everybody's good. You know, we're trying to get it back together. And you can see we got some interesting talk to- topics to talk about. So now a lot of a lot of the time there may be a topic that I'm considering, um, but then I'll mess around and be having a conversation with my boy. Next day, I know a couple hours have passed and I'm like, look, man, just come up here and talk about this with me. We talk about it anyway. So let me let me I'm going to bring him in in a quick second. Like, share, subscribe, join and donate. Support the channel if you will. So you can keep getting this independent blackmail thought um, that we have to be the ones to finance because we can't depend on anybody else to do it. So y'all know the deal. So you can super chat it through YouTube, Patreon, Cash App, PayPal, Venmo and support the channel that way. Um so we can keep it going. You know what I mean? So we, that's what we're trying to do. So, um, got Andre, Brandon in here, Growth Talk Podcast, Aaron, right? So we, you know, we're getting it in. But, um, Dardar, what's up? Y'all know, my boy, got to bring him in. Since we having this conversation, we were having it anyway. Shout out to BGSN Moore. What's up, man? Are you there? Boom down. Okay, what's up, Doc? <laughs> Hey man, I just uh, I was telling us a lot of my shows start with me and you on the phone. I'm like, you know what? Just... <laughs> I said I told you I knew you were gonna do this, Doc. I knew yeah, you were gonna do this. <laughs> and got, you know the, the conversation get good anyway, and it's like, damn it, man! Look, let's just continue this online shit. So, um, shout out to all of those watching. Make sure you support the show. I don't really want to be in the habit of continuing to remind people. I want to dive right in, but you know, I get it. It's the space we're in, so. Um, you guys can remember to support. I'll tone down the uh, number of times I gotta put up the disclaimers so we can jump in. But um, so today we're talking about colorism. Shout out to Dardar for that support. Um, also, wait a minute. Damn it. All right, let's get this thing going. Shout out to Greg for the cash app. 
we're talking about colorism and we're mainly talking about it because as often as I hear it brought up, it's almost never brought up in terms of men. It's brought up with women, black women in particular, so often you would think the two are synonymous and you would think that somehow throughout the history of enslavement, throughout American history, that black men just really never had to deal with it, right? Um, now, what do you say to that, BGS, when you see these discussions popping up? They're almost always about women. What do you think this yeah. is about black men? Uh, I think black men deal with it better. Uh, uh, they kind of, uh, they, they don't take it as personally and they deal with it better. But uh, colorism is actually, you know, taught by women. It's actually emphasized by uh, the female line mm. just about every time, no, no matter where you see it. Because mm-hmm. we used to talk about uh, um, if anybody's ever you know been around a newborn baby and uh, and the women of the family actually uh, surround a newborn newborn baby like that's like maybe less than a week old, mm-hmm. they always check the, the the hair, the eyes, and the cuticles. Okay, what greater what color eyes is going to have? Uh, what color what what, what grade of hair do they think the kid's going to have? And what color do they think the kid's going to be ultimately? Whereas men come in, okay, count the fingers, count the toes. Is it is it uh, reasonably alert? It's healthy. Cool. That's all they worry about. Reasonably alert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just want to make sure that the kid doesn't have any kind of uh, n- n- neurological problems, right? So you say, oh, is, is this a healthy kid? Does it have? T- is there any deformities that I got to worry about? If the kid is normal, ten toes, you know, ten toes, ten fingers. <laughs> and and an alert okay they're good a man is good no, I, can, I, can I, know, I, I understand i just wasn't ready for you to say it like that <laughs> <laughs> i'm pragmatic so yeah yeah is the kid can he see me is he alert right. is he alert yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> we hear this discussion come up so often and one of the things one of the ways i wanted to really kind of talk about this mm-hmm. is in terms of you know some of the subjects we always talk about on this channel uh, and in black male studies, we talk about, you know, misandry. We talk about anti-black misandry. And it's a very specific hatred, but more than a hatred for men, which, you know, we can talk about very generally, there is a very distinct hatred from uh, for black men. Mm-hmm. Not only in the larger society, there's a hatred for black men that you don't see with other groups in the same kind of way. Closest mm-hmm. group you might have is Native American men, uh, especially based on what time period you're looking at. But there's also a very distinct type of anti-black misandry within the black community. There's a, you know, there's an intense disdain and hatred for black men that I argue is so baked into African-American culture that Mm -hmm. uh, most people don't see it as a hatred toward men. They just see it as, you know, everyday operation. Mm -hmm. I think, I think it plays in the background. Kevin Samuels used to call it the low boiling contempt, Mm -hmm. but it is a constant that remains uh, bubbling on the uh, stove, if you will, at all times. Right. It, it does. And it bleeds out. In, and, it bleeds in, out. Uh, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take much. I mean, this is one of the things, you know, referencing Kevin again, what I noticed, you know, after a while is he would, he would, you know, kind of poke at women he was talking to mm-hmm. until it came up. Right. And it was almost a, a, a feral kind of rage that you it know, is. And a lot of everyday brothers can speak to that feral rage. And what I mean by that, and I don't I actually don't mean the animalistic, you know, reference that Farrell usually, you know, denotes. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, brothers talk about this in terms of dealing with customer service, 
Mm-hmm. Like, you know, my brothers would be going to customer service to get help, and they see a sister walking to her, and it's like, oh shit. Yeah. And then you know the first thing you t- you you get is this you know intense. What do you want, nigga? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we were ba- barely contained. Yeah. Barely contained. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a it's an intense you know kind of hatred, and I yeah. had it pop mm-hmm. off pretty quick. Yeah, like you go, <laughs> you see it in you know if, if for, for those that eat uh, drive the fast food, right? See it in the drive through, right? Mm. <laughs> when when the when the if it's a black woman, she's handing you your food. She looks the other way while she's handing you the food. Mm. She doesn't want to make eye contact with you. It's mm-hmm. like you know, she's like, oh yeah, yo, you're a black man here. I'm not sexually attracted to you. You know, guess what? I'm gonna turn my head while I hand you the food. Okay. You're not a human being. Okay. You're not a human being, right? Mm-hmm. Which also translates into relationships. It trans mm-hmm. and, and relationships don't have to just be intimate. You could talk about mother son. You know, mm-hmm. you could talk about you know. There's all these dimensions where we can see a different type of treatment for black men, and we talk about that right. a lot in this sector sector of YouTube. But one of the angles I want us to kind of talk more about is the way colorism and misandry are linked together in a very unique way. Um, now we talk about um, colorism as it pertains to women. I've seen brothers in this section of YouTube talk about colorism amongst men, but we often don't frame it as something that has a misandric angle to it. And we also don't talk about it as a form of objectification, uh, you know, for men. Not only is it a sexual form of objectification, it's also a social one. And we'll talk about kind of both in a little bit as we kind of delve into this. But I just wanted to frame it in terms of how black men experience it right we experience it in terms of the hostility that can be extended or adoration mm-hmm. hostility or ad- adoration that can come across in terms of colorism but also the objectification the sexual objectification mm-hmm. most of how this plays out yeah. and and i don't want to get locked into uh, a bad good you know who's privileged and who isn't because my belief on this is you do have you have um you know um what's the term you have well, yeah. pros and cons on either side. That was another term I had just a second ago and I lost it. Uh-huh. Um, but, you know, there, 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 there's, there's, a new, so there's nuances, you know, nuances between the. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. How it plays out. Absolutely. And, and it's not just a one way dynamic. Right. It's not just mm-hmm. one group is wholly privileged and benefits. The other one is wholly oppressed. And there's nothing more. Now, we are going to cover some data that will give us uh, some outlook on this in terms of how this, you know, in, is impa- impacts us in society mm-hmm. and to some extent in relationships. But um, I do want to point out that it, it's a little more nuanced than just a top down, you know, left, right Manichaean kind of system as it, when it comes to this, mm-hmm. I just wanted to frame it in terms of that. So we're going to be looking at it in terms of misandry. We're going to be looking at it in terms of objectification and we're going to look at how black men are treated. And even though we've heard these subjects before, um, you know, for the most part, it's generally talked about in terms of something women experience because aesthetics, you know, beauty mm-hmm. has been, you know, the trading uh, kind of uh, currency for women yeah. in a particular way. Mm-hmm. But it, it's often downplayed with men. Now, I'm a child of the 70s, teenager. Uh, I was a teenager really in the late 80s, early 90s. But I do remember the time period of hearing p- kids on the playground talking about how dark you I was or mm-hmm. uh, and how unattractive that was. And I remember that time period. I do. Um, and it, it definitely framed a lot of my early experiences, um, you know, and whatnot. And it was dehumanizing, you know, in a, in a very particular way. Um, 
And I used to think of it just in terms of dark and light and, you know, how hard it was to be dark, how, how much better it might have been to be light. And then I just kind of found out through interaction that there's a different type of objectification that can happen for light skinned brothers. Because I always thought being adored was, you know, that was just the thing when I was a kid. Then I found mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes adoration is just a different form of fetishizing someone and objectifying them along different terms. But uh, just out of curiosity, before we go further, what was your earliest introduction to colorism when you were when you were a kid? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I figured I'd catch uh, you with that. Yeah, it, 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 basically, the first time you go to school, okay, and uh, and uh you notice it right away. There's a difference mm-hmm. that, you know, the, if you're darker, um, there, there's a, um, how can I, there's a hierarchy uh, the, uh, lighter skin, lighter skin, uh, boys with better hair and uh, lighter eyes, they're going to get picked first. And the women, the women are going to swoon over them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, according to where you are in that, in that hierarchy or, or along that spectrum, okay. You can get mistreated because if you're dark, dark, and you got, you know, 4C hair, you're going to get ridiculed. Yeah. Even as a man, even yeah. as a black boy. And the little girls are, you know, little black girls are brutal because oh, they, uh, they listen to their mother. They're brutal. Ooh. I know for me that there was a turnaround point. And, and, uh-huh. and, and this and you're going to explain this better than I can. But there's a point where it turns around. But I know um, when I, I remember going to see uh, Spike Lee's. Um, oh, which one was it? You know, which one was it? Uh, shit, I was just telling you. Uh, oh, uh, uh, more better blues. Not more more better blues. blues. No, it was. Better, Thank you. More, okay. More better blues. Because you had Denzel and Wesley. Right. Which was weird. Because usually, you know, you could see, you know, different skin tone, but the, both of those brothers were fairly chocolate, and mm-hmm. that was that was unique. I had not seen two leading dark skinned men, you know, competing for women and so on and so right. forth. Right. You know, one of the women, of course, was light. One of the women was she was kind of more in the middle, like uh, his mm-hmm. sister. Um, but I remember seeing the film. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember leaving the theater, right? So I must have been, I don't remember what year Mo Betta was. I want to get that right. I want to be a little exact here. But I love that movie, though. I found it uh, extremely interesting in certain scenes, most particularly. So this came out in 1990. So 90, I was about 15. Um, and so I remember going to see this movie and as I'm leaving the theater and something similar happened, by the way, when I went to see Eddie Murphy in Harlem nights, but it definitely happened in Mo Better. As I'm leaving the theater, I saw a woman and she looked at me and I said, hello. And she said, Hey, chocolate. And my reaction was to turn around and look behind me because I didn't know who she was talking to. That was the first time I remember a woman complimenting me because of dark skin. Up to that point, up to the age of 15, I'd only heard dark skin brought up as an Because in the 80s, that was like, you know, that was colloquially, you know, called the, um, you know, uh, the uh, elder bars kind of era. So you had a, a color hierarchy going on in black music, black Hollywood, black aesthetics. That was pretty deep. So that said, you know, uh, that was the first time I remember being complimented on having dark skin. And from that moment forward, it was uh, pretty much a dynamic uh, where um, I started to hear less, uh, less kind of criticism and more um, appreciation for darker skin. 
and I had not heard that before. Um, uh, hold on. Eh, I'm a little technical issue. Okay. I think we're back in. You good? Oh, yeah. Windows 11 update causes crashes. <laughs> it's just right in the middle of it. Huh? Right in the middle of it, yeah. Okay. So, no. So, I was just saying that was the first time Mobetta Blues it was the first time I remember being complimented for dark skin. And then I noticed afterwards, mm-hmm. it wasn't, I mean, you still had criticism for being dark, but that wasn't it. Now you had a, a wider array of things you could associate with being dark. What right. is for you the changing point in your analysis or darker skin in the black community? Okay. The, uh, the, the biggest impact the, the, where I can actually mark off the changing point was uh, um, Michael Jordan being an icon. Mm-hmm. Uh, dark, six, tall, dark, successful, ball headed. You know, with uh, instead of the uh, light skin, uh, uh, light eyes, and, and uh, curly hair, right? The right. soft curls, right? No, you had a a, a ball headed brother, dark skin, uh, chocolate brother, dark skin, tall, and becoming a worldwide icon and become mm-hmm. and actually make an impact um, on, on the whole world because he was everywhere. Yeah, and that's what it was. Marketing, yeah. Oh my god! I mean, to this day, people are still wearing his logo. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely, and, which would make sense because when I'm watching these movies, it's at the same time that we're seeing right. the rise of Jordan. Um, rise of Jordan, yeah. He, you know, he he changed the way they looked at uh, dark-skinned men because right. he was the exact opposite over, mm-hmm. of, of everybody else. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it, so it changed the dynamic in that sense. Now, what I want to share with you guys is some data around how um, how some of this affects us in society. Um, and I haven't even had a chance to show much of this to BGS yet. So I'm going to get fresh uh, kind of you know, response for him as well. So this is Dr. William Darity. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of you may be more familiar with his work uh, earlier on with ADOS. But uh, unless some of this information has changed, and I didn't check, I think he's, I don't know if he's still at Duke, I believe so. The Department of um, University of uh, North Carolina at Chapel Hill and the Department of Public Policy Studies, Duke University. And he did a paper um, back in 2018. Uh, I'm sorry, no, this is uh, 2003 was the initial paper. Um, And it's, uh, you know, called Employment Discrimination, Segregation and Health, the American Journal of Public Health. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, um, what he states is uh, phenotypical variations within racial ethnic groups also are associated with different social and economic outcomes. Studies found that dark skinned blacks fared worse on all social and economic dimensions. Blacks with darker complexions had less education, uh, less prestigious occupations, lower personal incomes and lower family incomes than blacks with lighter complexions. Chicanos with lighter skin tones and more European features had higher earnings were of higher socioeconomic status and faced less discrimination. Mm-hmm. And you can find similar studies uh, when you deal with countries that have dealt with colonization. So if you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, Brazil, you know, India, you India. color hierarchies and color hierarchies still in place. Mm-hmm. Even down to, um, you know, who has more wealth in the society. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially Brazil and uh, India. So you can see these kind of dynamics here. Um so that's that's Darity. The, the one I really found interesting, and this was one that I was sent. Um, you can actually find on a web page. Uh, 
Okay, now if I can just shorten it up a little bit so I can make it visible on screen, bear with me. Let's see, so colorism and police killings of black men. Right. So this is a this is actually a study being done by Dr. David Ponton III and Dr. Elizabeth Corver Glenn. Um, so just real quick, Ponton you can find at uh, School of Interdisciplinary Global Studies, University of South Florida. Um, you know, there you go right there, assistant professor and, and SIGS undergraduate director. Right. Shout out to the brother. He's also um, wanted to get his publication in here. So he has selected publications here. You can see. Um, an Afro-pessimist, anti-disciplinary rejoinder to history, it's human and it's anti-blackness, right? So you can see some of his work there. If you're interested in looking forward, I'll try and include the link in the description, right? Um, but he's currently working on a project entitled Colorism and Police Killings of Black Men. And this is the one he's doing with Elizabeth Corver Glenn. Elizabeth Corver Glenn, you can find right there on LinkedIn, author of a book called Race. Ah, here we go. She's also assistant professor. Uh, where to go? Yeah, race brokers, housing market and segregation in 21st century urban America, Oxford University Press. And you can find her at uh, Washington University in St. Louis, right? Mm, prestigious, yeah. So this is the study they did. Um, let's see here. And I'm not, let me see, wait, am I? So in this, if we look at the, the summary, you want to kind of go through that a little bit? Okay. Uh, using the mapping police violence data set, the 2010 U.S. Census and the 2019 American Community Survey, our research team documented 153 police killings of black men between late January 2020 and early October 2020 Ooh, during COVID. Uh, though existing research has repeatedly documented the prevalence of colorism, across life-defining social and political institutions in the United States because of significant challenges in data collection and, method and methodology, there is almost no literature regarding the predictability, more fatal, more fatal treatment of darker-skinned Black Americans relative to their lighter-skinned counterparts. Yeah, I don't think they mark down what skin color the person is. Probably have to look at the picture. Yeah, yeah. Probably, yeah. We yeah. find that by far, the victims of police killings in our sample were darker skinned. Additionally, when placed in the context of both the situation of their interactions with the police and the demographic factors of the tracts and counties in which they were killed, darker skinned black Americans were more often erroneously accused of wielding weapons. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, well, you know, uh, you and um, Dr. Curry have talked about this. This is historical. Mm -hmm. This historical trope, and, yeah. Uh, uh, about uh, the the darker the you know the darker the color the 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 more aggressive the beast is. Yeah. Oh, and we and, do have to differentiate. You know, sometimes there's overlap, sometimes there's there's mm -hmm. contradiction, but there's a difference in how this colorism is perceived from within mm -hmm. the community mm -hmm. and how it's perceived from the larger outside community. So the studies we're looking at have a lot more to do with how the outside larger community perceives right. the community in regards right. to colorism. Um, and then we're going to talk a little bit more, a little bit in a little bit about how that works intra-racially. Mm -hmm. um, but again, yeah. the they've, on they, men. they've done, uh, they've done, um, uh, even on YouTube, they've done studies um, uh, 
uh, say a white guy or even a, a lighter skinned guy actually monkeying with a car and uh and people are walking by and no nobody's calling the police but the the, the big dark skinned guy starts doing the same thing within like uh 90 seconds you have four police cars and he's pinned up against the you know up against a wall mm. um Okay, so they, they, they say in this particular study, they define colorism, which I'll go through in a minute, review existing literature on colorism, its manifestation in income and employment disparities, social interactions, and the criminal mm-hmm. legal system. Then they present the findings of their present study, which has to do, I think, mostly with police homicide, and then gesture toward complications made apparent in our study that are worthy of further empirical and theoretical uh, oh, uh, exploration. Mm-hmm. And um, so they start here with this chart and the mm-hmm. website is kind of a little jerky. So it doesn't, uh, it's not as smooth, but here you can at least hopefully see the chart. Can you guys see that? Put a one if you can see it. Yeah, let me know. Cause I want to get the sizing right and site is a little difficult. Yeah, they can see the chart. Chart's pretty clear. Okay. All right. So it's this frequency of light to dark complexion ratings. And, um, you know, you can go there through there and look at the chart itself. But underneath it, it says of the 153 killings we documented, we were able mm-hmm. to find at least one photograph for 133 subjects. That's really what a lot of this is based on. It's based on those they could find photographs for. Of course, mm-hmm. These photographs were rated independently by two different researchers, blind inter- intercoder reliability, 88 percent, approximately 82 percent of the black male victims of police killings. And our sample were medium to dark skin. Mm. Yeah. This, this is the this is what we're looking at as a starting place. So let me try and move down. So they begin to talk about colorism. Um, but you know, in terms of their definition, I think we can start here. Right? Colorism refers to the disparate treatment and dignity granted to people based on their individual skin tones, rather than relying solely on their assumed racial categorization. As such, mm-hmm. colorism can be discerned as both an interracial and intra-racial phenomenon. Mm, it is, yeah, very much so. So inter having to do with, you know, different racial groups, intra mm-hmm. being within one racial group, right? Mm-hmm. Observable in places as disparate as the United States, Brazil, Peru, Japan, Israel, and Nigeria. Uh, should have included India in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hell, Mexico for that matter. Oh, yeah. Colorism has been documented by scholars as a global phenomenon. Specifically, colorism is a violent sociopolitical manifestation of anti-blackness where blackness does not signify a state uh, recognized 19th century racial category, but rather the literal or perceived darkness of a person's skin. That mm-hmm. is, darker skinned people across the world, regardless of their racial categories, often have their li- life chances, life chances, I think it's supposed to say life chances, but their yeah, life, chances, yeah, by life chances, yeah, uh, dampened by tacit and subconscious beliefs and institutional practices including school discipline, dating and marriage markets, and career advancement that privileges mm-hmm. their lighter skin counterparts. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yep, yep. Goes in from there. Yeah, yeah you, you can yeah, you can scroll through media of, of different places and see it. Yeah. Because no, I, I, I was in Ghana, and they talked about uh, lighter skin women or lighter skin people being fair mm. and, and being more desirable. Being fair? Yeah, we know if you know when they say fair like is you know fair like is in in lovely or oh, okay fair yeah yeah fair okay so and and of course you have you know skin lightening to different mm-hmm. degrees in different countries we don't hear much about it in the u.s 
Mm-hmm. Unless you're hearing about like celebrities, but in other countries, it's a little more in your face. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, Hakeem says Argentina is, is pretty bad as well. Oh, yeah. Extremely bad. Yeah. Um, let me see. Jay Will says, I'm the same complexion as you, Dr. T. I got spanked with a paddle in school because a girl ridiculed me um, about my skin. I told her I'd rather be dark brown than fat and ugly like you. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good comeback. Well, yeah, I see why you got spanked. Though. I see why you got spanked. <laughs> Talked about her mama. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, that'll get it, boy. Yeah, you know yeah. what? That's the spanking I'd have to take. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he took it with, with, with you know, like a badge of courage. Yeah. <laughs> well done, well done. <laughs> oh shit, we got Black Guru in the house. What's going on, brother? Um, got Nim in here. We got Christopher. What's up, fellas? Abuki, what's going on? Um, uh, by the way, Abuki, I'm gonna watch that movie you sent me. That was tight. Um, so anyway, so the second part here, colorism, employment, and income, right? Uh, black Americans often endure unemployment rates double that of white Americans, darker skinned black Americans fare even worse. As uh, researchers have found that skin color is a more con- uh, consequential predictor of occupation and income than such background characteristics as parents' socioeconomic status. Damn. Economic advantages enjoyed by lighter skinned Black Americans appears to be a consequence of both the social and economic privileges passed down by their lighter ancestors and the light skinned are directly advantaged by their appearance. All right, for researchers in the 70s, these differences appear to be somewhat mediated by the complexion of college education, the completion, excuse me college education, where the disparities in unemployment between lighter and darker skinned Black Americans seem to dissipate. However, for job seekers with only a high school diploma, skin color operates as a selection mechanism in favor Mm -hmm. of the employment and attainment of white collar status for lighter skinned individuals. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts about that? Oh, yeah. Uh, The the lighter skinned individuals are always seen as a buffer group, as a buffer class. And uh, historically, the uh, mulattoes or the lighter skinned people, the offspring of the slave master, were seen as a buffer class. So they got hired first. They were put in pos- uh, uh, positions over the darker skinned people. Um, so this is something historical and cultural that's carried over from our, our you know, our, our uh, Jim Crow past. Mm. Okay. It still shows up even in magazines. uh, uh who gets hired, uh, who, who's the manager of an all black installation. Uh, mm-hmm. You see it all the time. We got Charles in here and he says, I lived in the Arab world of Egypt and Morocco he says the Arab women were more willing to accept them since they're light, light skin, fair skin. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not visited the uh, Middle East. So, you know, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, a white, a white Western dominated world. So uh, they set the, the top of the hierarchy. Right. So if you look to the last sentence, it says, even when uh, there appears to be some parity in employment, lighter skinned black American incomes are 10 to 12% higher than their darker skinned counterparts. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting. And you know what I'll do uh, again, I will put the link for this in the description box as well. And uh, matter of fact, I will also include it now. In the chat, for those of you that might want to pop it open while we're talking, so you can see it mm-hmm. for yourself. The third section deals with colorism and social interaction, right? Negative biases against darker skin tones exacerbates experiences of racism for darker skin people. Right? 
His researchers have also documented the ways colorism manifests in social interactions to the detriment of persons with darker skin tones. In laboratory mm -hmm. tests, participants demonstrated automatic negative responses to darker skin tones associating subjects whose skin tones were digitally darkened with negative mm -hmm. words and ideas. Now, this is actually something I used to use in my class. Okay. There's a website. Um, it was on the Harvard. Uh, it was on the Harvard site, and basically, what it did is it it showed you a bunch of images in quick succession, and you had to right. kind of give your impressions, your first impressions, just straight right. out of your subconscious. And what they found more often than not was, you know, darker skin was more associated to criminality, yeah. uh, associated with people's fear, so on and mm -hmm. so forth. Yeah. The um, advanced the advanced doll test. Exactly. Basically. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. And so that was a that was something I used in the class you know, to generate discussion. They had the same kind of thing in terms of gender, in terms mm -hmm. of religion, and, you know, class and, you know, all kinds of things. So, um, but they, the, the, the big aspect of it, the most significant, I shouldn't say significant, mm -hmm. probably the most famous aspect of the, all of those different ones were skin tone, mm -hmm. uh, race and skin tone. They did them separately. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Um, Color, colorism or co uh, blackness has become an archetype. Mm hmm it for has certain for certain um, things. Yeah. Primitivity. And these are ideas that go back centuries. These are not mm -hmm. new, which I think is important to keep in context. Right. A lot of this is a product of white supremacy, but it's also old. Yes. New. So a lot of the ideas that we used to hear on the playground as kids are actually centuries old. They come from families as well as media. And of course, you know, social interaction in society. So they're not, you know, they're, they're not just arbitrary. Um, Shout out to Donnie for the support. He said, when I met my last girlfriend's son, she said to me, at least he's light skinned so that the three of us can blend. Because I should have got up from her then and never looked back. Wow. Mm, yeah. 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 Yes. That's uh and that's subconscious. It's almost uh subconscious. Yeah. You know, it's been embedded in you. Uh it's been embedded by her mother, so it's almost subconscious. It's automatic. She didn't mean any harm, but that, that's what she believes. It's deeply embedded. Yeah. It's deeply embedded. And it, it and it's actually, and this is part of why I'm doing this tonight, it's actually very much connected to the antipathy toward men in the black community. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. they go together. I mean, these and, and I'm we're really just kind of looking at the ways that we inherit these ideas. When we talk about misandry in the black community, and I should say this it's one of the reasons I'm on YouTube at all, right? Because um we've explored all kinds of aspects of the black experience over the centuries. We've talked about it in terms of race, we've talked about it in terms of class, and now the big thing is gender and sexuality, and, and there's all these different dimensions to it. But one of the things that we have really not delved into with any great uh, detail is mm -hmm. the experience of black men. We've talked about black women, but strangely enough, we haven't delved into black men, uh, not with any degree of, of detail. So the reason we're talking about colorism is I want to approach this in regard to how men experience it, because there seems to be little understanding of that. Uh, shout out to Adrian uh, for the donation. He says the most prestigious job I had, uh, I guess, was in a light. Or was, I had a light skin homie got me the interview. Right. Highest paying job. Another light skin homie got me that interview. OK. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I believe it. Uh, let's see here. OK. Uh, so um, anyway, so going back to the piece itself, um, they talk about laboratory tests and you can kind of see the impact of that. The next section they cover is colorism and the criminal legal system. Right? Protesters have been demanding the end of police brutality and specifically violence against black Americans since the 19th century. 
However, there's been no demonstrable decline in the number of people killed nor the higher rate of black American deaths at the hands of police, despite the significantly increased visibility of anti-brutality protests in the digital age. Now, isn't that a trick? Yeah. I'm saying this, right? We, we're seeing protests and we've been hearing black feminists say, we protest for you and, you know, we still don't appreciate black women's sacrifices. And, you know, by the time BLM revealed itself, you know, we kind of got to see what black men were frustrated with all this time. Mm -hmm. It really wasn't about us. It was about, you know, the political advancement of, of you know, black, black women in many interests, especially in regard to feminists. But mm -hmm. what he's saying here, what they're saying is that despite the protest, it's mm -hmm. had no impact on the killings. No. And we've not seen any any kinds of political mechanisms or policies passed that would stem the deaths of black folk. Now here they talk about black American deaths, but you know, at the end of the day, when you look at the numbers, we're, we're, we're really talking about men. I mean, at the end, you know, conservative numbers say about two to 300 black men per year are killed by police. Mm -hmm. That doesn't include uh, vigilantes. It doesn't include, you know, other mechanisms. It's primarily police. Uh, and I still think that number is on the lighter end and it's about nine to 13 women per year. So, you know, even though he's using black American deaths, he's really talking more about black men. And this is part mm -hmm. of that flat blackness I talk about. Right. The, the right. term is very generic the way he uses it. But based on the numbers, you know, you're talking about black men. So I don't care if you're talking about trans women at the end of the day, uh, you know, those who are on the, the receiving end of police homicide to the greatest degree are heterosexual black men. Mm -hmm. For those who appear like black men. Right. Mm -hmm. You have black male trans, uh, you know, trans men, you know, they're often killed because they're perceived to be black men. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, so he says the criminal legal system is an apparatus of institutions that ostensibly function as a single unit to dispense justice and punishment on the basis of criminal statuses. It includes legislatures, police departments, prosecutors, courts and prisons. However, as critical race theorists have demonstrated, the law itself is a function of politics and race remains inextricable from politics, whether as a function of the explicit actions of legislatures and executives or a consequence of the structure of electoral politics in the U.S. that favors white and wealthy candidates. Okay. Mm -hmm. right. yeah. so, you know, it's, about it's, been, it's been embedded into the culture right. as a measure of control mm -hmm. uh, over, over uh, black male bodies. Yeah. But also notice, and I want to tie this along with the embeddedness he's describing here, mm -hmm. that the misandry we're talking about is as well. Mm -hmm. If I'm talking, if I'm telling you that anti-black misandry is baked into African-American culture, mm -hmm. and I'm also saying it's baked into American culture. So when mm -hmm. you look at who's going, who's being incarcerated most, who's being killed most mm -hmm. by the, by the very apparatus he pointed out, it's black men mm -hmm. right? more than any other group, including black women. So we're talking about a very particular type of institutional misandry, right? So we see it reflected in society. We also see it reflected uh, in the community. Um, hold on. Okay, so it says uh, right here in the middle, recently scholars have begun to develop tools for analyzing the way skin color exacerbates the fatal outcomes of police interactions for darker skinned people. In 2017, uh, Jandell Crutchfield, Amy Fisher, and Sarah Webb found that on a scale of one lightest to 10 darkest, 80% of their sample of black victims of police killings between January, 2015 and mid-July, 2016 had darker tones of five or higher. As police mm. violence and colorism research uh, repeatedly reports, anti-black and anti-dark discrimination manifests in gender terms. 
whereas about 38% of black female victims of police killings had lighter skin tones. Only 10% of black men who were killed by police had lighter skin tones. Mm. What do you think about that? What do you think about that? It is, it, you know, it's uh, it's consistent. Okay, you, you can't, like I said, you can't make this up. Can't mm-hmm. make this stuff up. It is, it's so consistent uh, with the, uh, of you know, with our uh, um, lived experience. Mm-hmm. When we see the numbers, nobody's surprised. But it might be a little reversed in a strange kind of way when you talk about rape, especially in the black community. Because if you look at the data on mm-hmm. female victims. Mixed race women, and they don't they don't classify it formally by skin tone. Mm-hmm. They classify in terms of race, like so you have black, white, Asian, you know, native. But they they tell you that mixed race women actually mm-hmm. have the absolute. I mean, they there's the other groups of women, according to the last time I looked at the data, were nowhere in comparison to you know mixed race women in terms of experiences of rape. So, really? Okay. Yeah, and some of the data on that, you know, but I need to see I need to see some of the current data to see if that still holds up. Mm-hmm. As of a number of years ago, yeah, mixed race women were were uh, astronomical in comparison in terms of experiencing rape. So mm-hmm. you can, you know, so in terms of rape and death and gender, there might be some interesting parallels and opposites that we can examine. But uh, but this is basically breaking down how we can see, you know, in terms of gender, um, you have nearly forty percent, you know, which isn't too far from fifty, right? So we're talking about twelve percent percentage points away from it being half and half. Lighter skinned women are receiving, um, you know, vic- are being victimized by police killings uh, almost at a rate of, of, of half and half. So, you, you know, talking 40 to 60 percent ratio, mm-hmm. whereas the black community, I mean, amongst black men, I should say, excuse me, it's more of a, you know, 90 uh, percent. Yeah, the darker skinned male is the threat, is a perceived threat. Is the perceived threat. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's that's kind of what we're looking at. Um Neuroscientists measuring the electrical activity in the brains of their subjects found that unarmed blacks were not differentiated from armed blacks and whites. God damn. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think I think that should be read again. That was deep. Neuroscientists measuring the electrical activity in the brains of their subjects found that unarmed blacks were not differentiated from armed blacks and whites. Mm-hmm. So you're perceived as being armed simply because you're black, right? Yeah, because it's like uh, it's like uh, showing a dangerous animal to somebody, right? Right. That's or, or say like a snake, right? Most people, even no matter what the snake is, whether it's poisonous or not, right? If for most people, you 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 throw a snake at them, they're going to freak out because it's perceived as dangerous. Okay. Right. So right. it doesn't matter whether it is or not. Same thing with with the uh, with the embedded uh, archetype of black men. Okay, they're perceived as as dangerous. They right. have been for three hundred years. Right, right, and that's been the going uh, propaganda about black men in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, so this they get to the present study, right? And uh, let's see what part of this. So uh, while literatures on racism, colorism, and police violence are robust, little work has attended to the ways darker skinned individuals may suffer police violence as a group with more severity and in higher quantities than their lighter skin counterparts. Um, says Crutchfield, Fishers, and Webb's work provides a valuable model for addressing this gap. However, their sample of 68 victims only includes those who were unarmed at the time police officers killed them. 
Additionally, they found that 76% of, of the victims were killed in urban areas and only about 9% were killed in suburbs. However, recent analyses suggest that the rates of police killings in suburbs and rural areas are under-recognized and sometimes misclassified as urban. Mm. Uh, it continues from there. Um, police killed more darker-skinned Black Americans using the mapping violence database, uh, or police vi violence database, excuse me. Um, and with a team of graduate students, we developed a data set of 153 police killings of Black men in the United States from uh, 2020 uh, through October 9th, the same year, and were able to catalog photographs for 136 of the victims. After collecting as many photographs for each victim as we could find, their skin tones were rated independently by two researchers, right? And we blindly agreed on skin shades about 88% of the time. See, that's like mm -hmm. the picture I sent you earlier today, we guess. Right. You know, you have to get multiple pictures of someone uh, just to make sure you have an understanding of what their skin tone actually is. Um, but the victims documented in the database were most often dark skin with an average skin tone of 8.5 on a 12 point scale based on the L'Oreal skin tone grid. None of the victims tones were rated with very light skin. That is all victims had a skin tone of four or higher. And you can see there hmm. how they broke that down. Okay. So middle to dark seems to be the range. Uh, Dr. CD2 says. Oh, we can't wait to listen to this. Just finished a long day, but I'll stay disciplined and work out and listen later. <laughs> all right. I appreciate the support. Yeah, appreciate it. Um, all right. Police incorrectly assess the threat level of darker, darkest skinned black Americans. While it is uh, while it was unsurprising to find that Narsapo police killed darker skinned black people in far greater numbers than lighter skinned black people. We were also concerned with the context in which these killings occurred. When the only discernible legal infraction in the interaction was resisting arrest, darker-skinned mm -hmm. Black Americans were killed in higher numbers and rates than lighter-skinned counterparts. And media stories were more likely to erroneously or at least unethically report darker-skinned victims as armed without evidence corrobor mm -hmm. corroborating it outside of initial police statements. That is, mm -hmm. the stereotype of dark skin as an indicator of danger manifests in the more excessive force used against darker-skinned people as well as inaccurate assessments of their unarmed status. Right. right. Yeah. Shout out to ghetto user for the support. Appreciate that. Any thoughts about that? Uh, you know, um, how this all stuff all came about, you have to go back to before this country became a country and the slaves used to switch sides mm. um, and in wars. So, um, so armed, so armed or supposedly armed black people, Black men, you know, black men were always considered dangerous. So they have been uh, uh, logged as dangerous, They're assumed dangerous, you know, well before this country was a country. And so this is this kind of um, archetype has been embedded into the culture, embedded to the, the psyche of, of people. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it, little things like, say, if you if say if you're walking on the street and uh, and, you know, everybody's seen this, especially non-black people, right? Non-black women. If they mm -hmm. see a tall, dark-skinned dude, they're going to start clutching their purses, okay? Or if they're driving uh, and they're alongside you, you can hear the, you know, everybody's heard this, the the, uh, the door, the locks on the door click, on the car mm -hmm. door click, okay? Mm -hmm. Because you're assumed dangerous. Right. Right. But but that's that's, that's subconscious because uh, because that archetype, just like the snake or the lion or the bear or some kind of predator, right, shows up, it 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 uh, it affects your brain yeah. because yeah. The, 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 the danger sign flashes in people's minds. 
and that's what happens. So it doesn't matter whether the, the black person is even looking at you. If he's big enough and he's and he's dark enough, that's uh, you're assumed dangerous. Mm-hmm. And, and cops respond to that because the cops uh, get that's like I'm, uh, uh dark skinned guys get uh, um, tagged for being uh, resisting arrest. Look at uh, Eric Garner because mm-hmm. he's a big dark man, you know. Right. And when you look at this list, the victim skin complexion, you can see the breakdown of the different types of, um, you know, quote unquote crimes, resisting only crime in progress, alleged arm. You can see the list mm-hmm. and, and they break up the skin shades by two to three point range or three point range, four to six on the far on the left. Yeah. Seven mm-hmm. to nine in the middle, 10 to 12 on the right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can see, you know, fairly high numbers, the two highest, at least that pop out to me are confirmed arm and that's shade seven to nine right so that's uh you know so right in here mm-hmm. oh, not mean to do that got this thing is hyperlinked all right and then the second highest column comes right in here in terms of or, or the next one that's as high or higher this one's actually higher alleged armed mm-hmm. so in other words there were more there was a greater percentage of those considered allegedly armed that were mm-hmm. shade 10 to 12 and then there were that were confirmed arm in shade seven to nine. That's interesting. That's interesting. So the highest percentage group considered to be armed, there was no confirmation and they were dark. Mm-hmm. The next highest group were middle shaded and they were confirmed to be dark. So people, so the perception mm-hmm. actually seems to exceed the reality in terms of who's designated to be to have been armed and what that, you know. What that meant. Um, okay. Okay. Spatial and temporal distribution of police killings do not correlate with the skin color of their victims in any consistent way. By integrating our collected data with the U.S. Census data, including the 2010 Census and the 2019 American Community Survey, we thought we might find some spatial explanations for the different quantities of police killings. However, we found no consistent correlations, suggesting that the most salient factors in an officer's decision to use fatal force are not predicted by neighborhood type or municipality size. Though we hypothesize that hours uh, with less sunlight might moderate perceptions of skin tone, time of day also appeared inconsequential when comparing the numbers of the lighter versus darker skin deceased. Mm-hmm. Damn. Eliminating variables, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty thorough. So that's interesting. So basically, um, didn't matter what type of neighborhood you were in, the data mm-hmm. holds consistent right um let me see scroll down to the next area right area for future empirical and theoretical study darker skinned black men appear to be at greater risk and high poverty census tracks in in the 97 tracks where the family poverty level was less than 30 percent percent in which many social scientists start to classify tracks as high poverty we were able to find photographs and assign a complexion score for 85 victims uh, the total added complexion score was 731, resulting in an average complexion score of 8.6 of victims killed in moderate to low poverty tracks. In the 25 cases where we have complexion data and tracks had family poverty rates higher than 30%, the total added complexion score was 212, resulting wow. in an average complexion score of 8.48 mm. of victims killed in high poverty tracks. The black men killed in very low poverty tracks had on average darker skin tone than those killed in high poverty tracks. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether this pattern would hold true for a larger sample size and its significance may be explored by future research. Okay. 
any thoughts about that I'm yeah it, it makes sense especially in, in um uh lower poverty areas where it's more upscale mm -hmm. um you don't fit in so mm -hmm. you're more much more scrutinized okay. uh, i'm not going to read through this section but it remains difficult to ascertain the circumstances of a police killing due to fraught nature of the archive mm -hmm. Go through and see that that's actually the end of it there okay yeah so now i wanted to present present this as well as the william darity data uh, to show some of the research dealing with skin color in the black community, right? just to kind of give it some frame. But as we talk about this um, and kind of focus on it intra-racially, one of the things I wanted to look at is how this kind of plays out in terms of, um, you know, uh, objectification, the objectification of black men in regard to color, and then the sexual, you know, sex, uh, uh, objectification of black men. So first and foremost, the general narrative, and this is something I talk to my students about um, when we deal with colorism, is that when you did there, that there are there are benefits and drawbacks to light and dark in mm -hmm. social interactions, right? When, when we deal with it in terms of men, one of the things we find is that um, uh, dark skinned men are generally, and this is all stereotype. This is not about something that encompasses every individual. It's not going to. I'm going to tell you straight out. This is all stereotype. But the stereotype is that dark skinned men are considered more hyper masculine. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that you hear the term authentically black. Mm -hmm. And then lighter skinned men are considered more intelligent and more traditionally mm -hmm. handsome. Right. So mm -hmm. that those are considered some of the, the benefits. Uh, some of the drawbacks are that darker skinned men are considered more criminalistic and violent. Mm -hmm. skinned men are considered less masculine. And, you know, so you have this idea that they're less black, less masculine. These are mm -hmm. stereotypes. Right. Um, in terms of the sexualized kind of skin color objectification. Right. So we're talking about how black men are fetishized mm -hmm. and stereotyped by skin color. Right. When you deal with dark skin men, uh, dark skin is is, off, is often seen as, uh, you know, hypersexual hypersexual where you have a link between sexy and dangerous right mm -hmm. this idea that being darker is uh mm -hmm. again uh, it leads to more um you know intense kind of masculine sexuality mm -hmm. again these are stereotypes right the lighter is, is seen to be more beautiful mm -hmm. and it, i was just watching uh there's i think it's a showtime show that dealt with the supreme team drug dealers in the 80s right and 90s in uh in new york and one of the things they talked about was, you know, how the three leading men, or at least the three at a certain point in time, were light skinned with green eyes, and and how that kind of, you know, how how the women responded to, to them in a certain kind of way. Uh -huh. there's, a, there's a sense of, um, you know, this kind of notion of being more beautiful, right? With lighter skinned men, um, mm -hmm. in that kind of way. But in terms of the the drawbacks, right? Uh, lighter skinned men are seen to be more romantic, but less sexually mm -hmm. aggressive, right? Whereas dark skinned men are conceived, they're perceived to be the reverse. Right? Mm -hmm. So these kind of stereotypes and how they play out sexually, I want to I want to be clear. They're stereotypes. They're not actual reality, but they are also forms of objectification. They're mm -hmm. forms of fetishization, and they're very particularly tied to black men in distinct yeah. ways. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, if you if you look uh, say if you look in porn right to mm -hmm. racial porn. Mm -hmm. uh, Nine, you know, ninety percent of the time, the man is going to be uh, black. Okay, he's going to be a big. He's going to be big, and he's going to be black. So, in the, in the underworld, sexual underworld, the uh, the dark skin, you know, uh, alpha, as we put it, 
is going to be way more desired than the light skin. Okay, even if, even when we talk about the modern, they think about uh, thug or or swag, right? If he's uh, the modern day uh, swag or alpha is considered uh, a dark, tall, dark skin with tattoos because he's perceived to have an edge. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. And and again, when I keep saying that this is stereotype, of course, mm-hmm. you're going to find uh, black darker skinned men that are not sexually aggressive. Mm-hmm. You're going to find lighter skinned brothers that, that are dangerous. I mean, all mm-hmm. the, you can find reversals to all of these mm-hmm. stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But what I'm pointing out is that the existence of these stereotypes and the way people use them, mm-hmm. how to treat black men. These are all forms of objectification. These are all forms of sexual fetishization that impacts men. Now, women, black women experience this. Obviously, we hear about it all the time. We've seen documentaries on it, right? With them, it's it's, it's similar. But, you know, with lighter skinned women, there's a there's an attachment not only between intelligence, but femininity, right? The idea is that they're more feminine. They're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're softer. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're more beautiful, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Women are not treated the same way. They're not considered as feminine. They're considered more masculine. We see this with men, but it comes across in terms of masculinity. And so the idea is that lighter skinned cats are less masculine. Darker skinned men are not masculine. They're hyper masculine. Hyper masculine. Yeah. So these kind of tropes need to be kind of discussed and and talked about because uh, in the conversation about this, we gendered it in such a manner that it has no kind of uh, we we really don't talk about how men experience this at all. It's, It's primarily just a female discussion when it comes to colorism. But I want to talk about it in terms of how it frames male objectification. Now, you one of the reasons I invited you on is you dealt with this issue in terms of reproduction. Right. Talk a little bit about that, if you would. How does reproduction uh, play into this skin color objectification? OK, because if you understand uh, anything about a female. Right. And this comes from several uh, anthropology book. Uh, any female organism, her, her first. Uh, duty is to give her offspring the best chance of success in any environment right so if you go up in a white dominated environment you know uh brazil united states latin america uh, um, uh, india places like that where Mm -hmm. the uh, power structure is white okay the closer you get to white Mm -hmm. um the more advantages that your uh, offspring will have so Whereas you might like to have sex with a dark, big, dark skinned man, your offspring that you want, you want to have lighter, lighter eyes, lighter skin and uh, looser hair, because that's going to give him more success is earning more money, as we just said, uh, less contact with the police, Mm -hmm. uh, basically uh, higher positions, um, uh, better education, because that's going to come along with it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so reproductively, um, um, women will always tell you, "Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, I got a dark skinned boyfriend, but I don't want his babies." But but a, a, a mm-hmm. light skinned guy with uh, high, you know, what we call high yellow guy with green eyes mm-hmm. uh, and, and and curly hair is going to get the get the nod. Uh, I call it the trifecta, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, skin, hair, and eyes, right? Mm-hmm. If you get if you got any one of the uh, part of the trifecta. Okay, you're going to get sexual access no matter no matter your uh, physicality, your height, or your or your um, even your financial status, right? Because mm-hmm. you carry what what uh, Edward calls genetic currency. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's in, genetic in, currency. So in that genetic currency, so again, going back to dark, 
the pro mm. is supposed to be that you're you're considered hypermasculine. The con right. is that you're criminalistic and less intelligent. That's For intelligent. Lighter brothers, the pro is that you're considered more intelligent right. and beautiful. And yes. on, the, on the con is that you're considered weak and less masculine. Less masculine. Like, these, yeah. these are the parameters of this. But when we talk about objectification, and this is how I really want us to, to really look at this mm-hmm. in regard. And we talked about it societally. We've looked at the ways that. Uh, you know, black men in particular uh, die at the hands of police homicide. We talked about it in terms of income, or wealth status. We know that there is a color hierarchy in terms of these things. Mm-hmm. But when talking about it sexually, mm-hmm. one of the things, and I think this was pointed out in the chat by Peace God and uh, Indigo Flow, they were talking about basically women can do this. Women can objectify men and nobody right. says it. Right. You know, you'll have women that seek and I've seen this all my life. You have women that seek out darker skinned men and I'm talking black and white, mm-hmm. you know, and others, of course, but seek right. out dark skinned men because they're chasing this kind of authentically black experience. Mm-hmm. And I've seen women seek out lighter skinned men because of, the, you know, especially some, some of the reasons you just got through talking about. Mm-hmm. But I want us to understand that this is a form of objectification. It is. Women yeah. do not corner the market on this discussion. They've just cornered the market on it publicly, but they don't corner the market on the experience. Right. There has never been a time in West in Western history where black men haven't been sexually uh, fetishized and objectified. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I want us to be clear about this because we often don't have this language. And whenever colorism pops up, even in my classes, it's usually something that women, you know, can get up and run with. And most of the men get silent. But if I start asking questions about their experience, light, dark, or in the middle, brothers actually can talk about experiences in regard to colorism. So I want us to be more adept at doing so, and I want us to be able to identify when we're being objectified and how. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, if you choose to deal with the situation with with a woman, I don't care. That's one way or the other. But I want us to be able to articulate the way it works Mm -hmm. and the way it's played out against us, because both groups, light and dark, are objectified. Right, they are, for for different reasons. For different reasons. For different reasons. Both mm-hmm. groups are fetishized for their skin color and their masculine masculinity for different mm-hmm. reasons. And that's mm-hmm. the point I wanted us to get at. There is data to show us that in, uh, in an institutional level, it, you know, we can see it kind of experienced in one particular way that is verified and documented. But when we start to talk about it in terms of intrasexual dynamics within the black community, the fetishization, well, not even just within the black community, the fetishization happens in a number of ways. And black men are objectified in ways that nobody talks about. And one of the things I think is, is fairly similar too, and I was telling you this when we were on the phone, I found that black women often objectify black men in the same kind of ways white women do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the kinds of assumptions, and, and I can't tell you how many, oh my God, how many social media discussions where I've seen this, where ideas about, you know, black men and sexuality would amongst black women talking about us, it sounded like I was listening to a female clan rally in regard to how black men were to be perceived. The mm-hmm. sexualization, the fetishization, and the objectification of black men, regardless of skin color, is key. Uh, one of the things I can tie this up with to some extent, I remember the first time uh, in college, I had one of my boys, he was my best friend at the time, um, he was a real lighter skin cat. And we mm-hmm. used to go to parties together. And um, I used to just, you know, trip out because we go to party. I actually have two brothers that are extremely light skinned, handsome cats, not just light skinned, light skinned and handsome. And I have seen women drop their jaws when these brother walks in the room. Right. Walk in the room. I've seen one woman. I remember going to a grocery store. I saw her across the street at the grocery store, put her groceries down, run across the street mm-hmm. to ask my boy for his number. She left her okay. groceries in front of the grocery store. Okay. 
my other boy going to parties, women would fall all over him. And I used to joke with him about it, you know, because I had to put in game and I had to put in work. Uh-huh. He told me that I'd never heard before. He said, yeah, he said, these women approach me, but they really don't give a damn about me. No. I said, what are you talking about? He said, they don't care about me. He said, they care about how I look and they care about what that means to them, but they don't give a damn about me. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't know at the time, because I didn't have that language, is he was basically describing one of the ways that he was objectified. And we mm-hmm. hear lighter skinned women talk about this, but they're kind of drowned out by darker skinned women who kind of have more impact in the colorism discourse. But the idea is that being, you know, adored, right? So, you know, experiencing a degree of adorization is still a form of objectification. You're not dealing with the person in front of you. You're dealing with your ideas about light skinnedness and masculinity and so on and so forth as it's attributed to light skinned brothers. So that being said, we need to be we be, need to be more adept at identifying the ways that black men experience sexual objectification. And, and in terms of colorism, I want us to kind of be able to articulate that because it's it's actually just as pernicious and difficult as it has been for women, except that, um, you know, men don't rely as much or at least historically we haven't on aesthetics as our primary currency. Right. Right. There's other things. We have other things. Mm-hmm. That uh, we have a broader um, a, a spectrum of things that women are actually attracted to mm-hmm. as men are. So yeah. men are men are tend to be more visual, and you know, we we beauty plays a serious role with us. But with women, beauty is a serious factor. Mm-hmm. You can compensate for it with other things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can you can go out and be ambitious. You can make money. You can do all kinds of things. Right. I'm nobody says I'm not. I'm not. I'm not jumping over people to get to Oprah. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Even with a billion dollars, huh? Yeah, well, even with a billion, it ain't happening. Right? <laughs> Whereas if you're if you're an unattractive brother with a billion dollars, oh yeah, yeah, you got a line. Yeah, you ain't gonna have as many problems. Yeah. So, you know, but um, your thoughts on objectification and what black men experience, especially you know, in terms of colorism, what do you think? Uh, it is, it is, uh, it's rooted in two things, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, genetics and class, okay, mm-hmm. and uh, and 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 then and then the other thing, as far as the the sexual underworld, which is what black men experience, dark dark darker skin men experience, is an archetype, mm-hmm. okay. But the uh, as far as is mating, okay, it's it's rooted in in uh, in class. It's rooted really in genetics and class. What am I giving to my offspring? Okay, and I've seen it too many times where um, my my son, my grandson, he experienced because his hair is curly like his mom's, right? So when mm-hmm. his hair is out and curly, okay, you can see the little girls, you know, touching it and feeling mm-hmm. it because, and what they're thinking is, I can give that hair to my, to my, to my child, mm-hmm. to my offspring. Mm-hmm. So women, women speak. You know, I, I've said this before. Women look at men in parts, okay, yeah. and. Uh, there's there's two components, right? My sexual pleasure, but also the parts of that man I can, I can actually give to my offspring: legs, height. Mm-hmm. And that's where mm-hmm. height comes in. Height, right. skin color, eye color. Okay, what advantages is that going to bring in the market that I can right. give to my offspring? Right. So that's where it comes. It's it's rooted in something more primal, mm-hmm. you know. And then you layered uh, on top of that the the archetypes and the socialization, like. Uh, it was different when Michael Jordan came came into the league, right? Before mm-hmm. now, now the the archetypes change, the the uh, celebration changes. So now, 
dark-skinned men that weren't that were actually uh pinned to the underworld as as, as brutes or bucks okay now they were looked at a little bit differently okay now there's some kind of a cachet or some kind of advantage if you're dark-skinned in mm-hmm. the world because michael jordan is an icon so mm-hmm. my kid could could uh, be dark-skinned tall and shave his head like michael jordan and get the same advantages so that's that's women look at sexual access or sexual uh, uh genetics the same way okay mm. how is the world going to look at my child mm. Mm. so it's yeah. very much affected by the uh, uh by the environment okay i'm gonna i'm gonna let some folks come up um i don't i want to keep it to about an hour so i'm just letting y'all know um but give us your thoughts about this and remember the key themes to this uh, at mm-hmm. least in terms of, of where I'd like to go with this discussion is the way in which black men experience sexual objectification mm-hmm. um, based on skin color, right? Which we might also call misandric colorism, right? I want to keep the discussion on that. I don't want to get into the whole question of who has it you know, better or worse per se, because as we talked about a little bit ago, all mm-hmm. black men in terms of skin color are objectified, but just for different reasons. For different reasons, yeah. The way BGS laid it out, you know, uh, black men are judged in, you know, uh, in parts. Uh, women look at men in parts is key, you know. So I want us to keep to that um, and kind of go from there. So the the link is in the chat. You're welcome yeah. to come up. Yeah, my my daughter would. Uh, if we were talking about whose nose she got from whom. So <laughs> my son, I remember. Matter of fact, it, 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 both of us had the same experience. I was light skinned when I was, you know, born for the first few years. Okay. My son was as well, but as he got darker, one of the things I noticed is he didn't get complimented as much for having fair skin. Right. But by the time he shot up in height, that became okay. the dominant discussion. Okay. So now you know he's he's got to be like six ten. Might even be. I haven't measured him in over a year. He might be six ten and a half by now. But anyway, uh, that became the discussion. And so now you hear you know even family members talk about how handsome he is and how tall. Mm. And those those two things go together. So the two things go together, yeah, because height is a, a is a genetic factor. Yeah, yeah, and and, and a rarity of somebody that high, that tall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. But you can definitely see how it's received. Okay. Oh, he's gonna come back in. Just left and come, yeah, left and came back. But anyway, um, let's see if this time he's gonna be able to stand. Who would there that be? I don't know. I, I actually, woo! I picked that picture on purpose, by the way. <laughs> hey, what's going on with you, officer? Oh, hey, I'm, hey I'm Doc, how you doing? Commander Security. Yeah, I got. It was. I got three people. Their security clearance and their gun permit, and I'm, I'm just like, and I'm waiting for. The 19-year-old, he's just got a security clearance, his gun permit, and he's about to get a special police uh, thing. So we're doing we're doing wonders, and we're okay. doing God's work. But to the subject, but to the subject, um, I've been objectified. I, 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 it felt it, it's it's funny because it's like a one-way street mm-hmm. where. Women can objectify and talk about how you look, but if you eye goggle them, mm-hmm. you're being offensive. Right. And it's like I remember I was with my son and, and my one of the one of the wrestlers who lived with me. 
Mm. And I'm in the market reading a magazine. We're at the register waiting for the groceries to come, you know, to get rung up. And he's funny that he's like, coach, yo, them two ladies are like basically drooling over you. Mm-hmm. And I told him, hey, it's just Tuesday, kid. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, but yet, if I was to do that to them, they would call me a creep. Mm-hmm. If you don't look a certain way to females, you're passed by. Mm-hmm. But yet, you know, I'm not the tallest guy. I'm 5'10". Yeah, but, but like, how, how big are your arms, though? 20. Yeah. 21. And that, yeah. and that speaks to the, the breaking up of men into parts. Because you can talk, you, you'll hear women openly talk about how muscular men are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how, 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 long, how big their feet are, mm-hmm. penis size, mm-hmm. height, and even age. And all of these factors are brought in. And yet, nobody wants to talk about colorism in terms of what men experience. But almost all men, black men that I've ever met and had this discussion with could tell you stories about how they've been treated on the basis of their skin color. Oh, yeah. And you got to realize a lot of that stuff happens to families, especially with grandmothers. Don't don't let your grandmother be from the South. Good God almighty. They are the most color struck individuals God ever laid eyes on. Mm. If you mm. come in there with a light skinned girlfriend like one of my uncles did, she was the elated. Mm. Yeah. And you got to realize she's a dark skinned woman. My mom's dark skinned. All her kids are dark skinned, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. You know, opposite of, you know, let's say my dad's about a shade or two lighter than our, like darker than Artisan MC, or maybe the same shade. So it's a dynamic of where you're like, okay. It's nice that you like how I look, and, and trust me, you always got to have the trifecta or the or the quadfecta, whatever you want to call it. If you're light skinned, you got to have the curly hair, the colored eyes, and you know the softer looks or the tall or height or something. If you're dark skinned, you got to be muscular, bald, bearded, tough, or whatever. And and it's like, damn. Whatever happens, just making the individual for the individual. Yeah, yeah, it's it's primal. Very primal. You know, women go shopping like they go for a pair of shoes. She want a color, a certain size, and a certain fit. And women shop for men like they shop for shoes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They want us to match their bags. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, look, uh, real quick, I, I'm I'm hoping um, uh, Indigo or Peace God might come up in here. Uh, you're welcome to. Uh, the link is in the chat. Uh, let me first let uh, Kofa, Growth Talk Podcast, get in here, and then we'll we'll delve into LaShawn's thinking more. Out, and, and I want you to support uh, some of these brothers up here who have channels. So make sure you guys go to Growth Talk Podcast, support the brother, of course, uh, go to the commander of Black Lion Security, you know, uh, support his. But Kofa, uh, come on in here, man. Tell us your thoughts on some of this. Peace, y'all. This is a very, very interesting conversation. I check in often. Big fan of all you guys. But it's funny that the brother just mentioned that because that's where I was going. Obviously, you can see I'm a light-skinned brother. Mm-hmm. But I've been looked in the eye by our queens, our sisters, and told I'm not the right kind of light-skinned. Mm-hmm. I, don't have, I don't have the curly hair. Never you don't, had. Yeah. Wow. You don't have the light eyes, huh? don't wow. have the light eyes. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the right light skin features. I I, I okay. wasn't held to barge. 
Okay. Yeah. Talking about the eighties and how the archetype changes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they've, uh -huh. you know, we make those jokes that, you know, you, Oh, you acting light skin. Things yeah. Like that. Yeah. And if, yeah. even it's been some women outside of the race that is like, okay, he's black. He's good enough. But I've mm -hmm. had other women outside the race also like, Oh, they want a real one. Oh yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Outside the race. They want, they want an authentic. Yeah. Yeah. They want they they want a, a real black man. Yeah. I didn't fit right. that that archetype. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just crazy how we we have this colorism as men, and it's always labeled on us that oh you guys want is the light skinned women, or she got to be white and things mm -hmm. like that. And mm -hmm. even as a light skinned dude, I have preferred darker skinned women. That always happens. Even, even even in dealing with that, they felt as though I was fetishizing them. Mm -hmm. they, couldn't, they couldn't comprehend. Mm. Well, I was attracted to him, right? But right. on the other end, if it was the light, the light skinned dude with the light eyes, the mm -hmm. curly hair, mm -hmm. and like you said, the the quote unquote soft the the, 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 tri the trifecta, yeah, yeah, it, it, exactly. And mm -hmm. then you know you throw in some height or some talent. Uh, ooh, oh, yeah, like you, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. If you, you throw know, in a a, a, a a Stephen Curry, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. And I played and also. I've and don't feel bad about that, bro. Because hold on, hold on. Uh, okay. let, let Kofa finish his point, and yeah. then uh, I, let saying, I, play, I play ball, but I'm only mm. five six. But I can okay. play ball. Mm -hmm. But it's you know what I'm saying it's the assumption of you can't play and you light skin on top of that. Oh yeah. It's funny that you mentioned Curry like that. It like I know brothers that as cold as he is, as much as he put into that game, that yeah. we see what he's doing. He's still light skin. He's still soft. He's still mm -hmm. soft. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. So I just wanted to throw that in. You can still it. play stick ball. Yeah. <laughs> if they're gonna give you sticks, play stick ball. That's yeah, what you yeah, do. Yeah. Ping pong, anything yeah. but an actual, you know, masculine hard sport. We right. hit him because you playing light skin, you acting light skin. It's it's yeah. crazy with that. And I see that's I see the same thing with some of my darker brothers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we share these stories. I'm like, man, you ain't been through nothing, man. You, you know, you light skin. You get all the little women. I'm like, bro, that is an assumption. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have the trifecta, the color eyes, the height, the the curly oh, hair, yeah. Or some, yeah. some talent somewhere in entertainment or sports. Right. But yeah, I just wanted to throw my two cents in, Doc. I'm gonna drop off. I'm gonna log back in on YouTube. I just wanted to hop in real quick. Appreciate my oh, okay. brothers in this conversation. Hey, man, y'all make sure you support. Uh, yeah, so tell them where they can find you. So it's Growth Talk Podcast on YouTube. My name's Sankofa. Everybody just calls me Kofa. Mm -hmm. um, you see it there on, on the tab name. Growth stands for gentlemen reaching our wealth through healing. So it's just having these types of conversations, um, just trying to help each other build as black men because we're going through it. Doc touched on so many angles and things like that, and I try to push so many people to his channel because he's coming with a different spin other than relationships. Mm -hmm. But there's so many things that branch off to the police brutality and er everything. Doc, if Doc said it's real, he does wow, his research. Wow. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm on here every other day. If I miss a broadcast, bro, I'm I'm back on. So hey, much appreciated, man. And BGS YouTube, bro, you be dropping dimes and I <laughs> appreciate like, you. Like like I'm I'm stealing comedy lines at the water cooler the next day at work. I'll be hitting them with some of your some of your quotes, man. Y'all y'all brothers be dropping it. So <laughs> I appreciate, appreciate you. Y Salute. Keep keep on pushing, Doc. I appreciate the platform. All right, thanks a lot, bro. And I'm glad he said that because, you know, you cannot be a dark skinned guy who can actually enunciate his words, 
No. His pronunciation. Oh my God! You're you, not you black act, enough. You, you, you're not black enough. You're not. You're acting white. Like, you don't be a black talking. man pronouncing your words. You are I'm, correct. I'm, I'm marketing you, and I'm not black enough. Make that make sense. Mm-hmm. Not authentically black. Authentically black. So we got to be stupid, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. There's an intelligence factor that is tied to this idea of authentic blackness. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Can I ask y'all a quick question, real quick, since y'all touching on this? Yeah, I was about to introduce you anyway. Go ahead. Um, why is it your mama mad that you don't sound black enough, but she wants you to sound educated and intelligent and make an ass load of money, but you don't? She, you, you see that that coin flip mm-hmm. on it because it, it, it starts with the mama and then it ends with the daughter and then it ends with the woman you're gonna try to sleep with. And and this this is also a class thing, okay. Uh, about how you sound and uh if you're closer to working class black um that means you don't fit in because everybody else is speaking a, in a certain way and if you're speaking too properly that means you're uh, you're code switching but you're code switching in an environment that you shouldn't now if you're talking intelligently and you're at work you know, okay you pick up the phone and you speak uh the white man's english it's perfectly fine but at home in social settings no that means you're you, you, in other words, they, they think that you're putting on airs. Okay, you're looking down on people if you use uh, the King's English. Mm-hmm. BGS, don't black women do that sh- stuff when they go to work for the white they man? Do. They do. They do. The King English and everything they, else. They so why are you looking down on what, you for doing the same? It, because you, you're doing it in a social setting. In social settings, oh, they don't okay, use the same English. Okay. Yeah. So in other words, you don't you you can't code switch. So a man that can't code switch can't fit in socially, mm-hmm. and in certain settings. But but here, BGS, can I ask you a question? Haven't you oh, yeah. got more drama from being able to code switch, either which way, and then they mad at you because you're intelligent enough to flip their argument on them, and they they were they were all head up in heels. They got you. They got you. And you just say that one sentence and that one question, and they just shut up. Well, the, the thing the thing is, is that uh, black women is the way black women look at it is that uh, number one, they want to be more intelligent than you, but they want you to be intelligent on on demand, right? And the rest of the time, they want you to be entertaining, be entertaining and socially, and socially acceptable. acceptable. Mm-hmm. So that's so the difference. difference. You know, I found out. Thank you for the explanation. I was curious, and I figured you know. You know, the other dimension to this whole, you know, question I'm finding about, you know, the King's English and, you know, talking white is it's it's actually broken into text as well. I had a woman tell me that. She said, wow, the way you text, I'm afraid to misspell anything. And I'm like, what yeah, yeah. They, 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 think that, they think that the way if you're at a, they think they put you at a higher class and they think they're going to be judged. Mm-hmm. And every time you speak, they feel judged. Mm-hmm. On historical evidence, um, Native Americans, every place Europeans went to, they want you to talk white and they took your kids to teach them. So you can't be mad that is common now. All right. You let them do it. And you'll no, actually your forefathers and mothers let them do it. And then Along the line, we just kept co-signing it. And you can't be mad. We don't remember African or whatever our native language was because 
that's history. <laughs> it's it's more. It's it's been. I think, and Doctor Doctor J probably knows this a little bit more because it's part of his uh, study, right? I think with the eighties and with the uh, advent of of rap and hip hop, especially gangster rap, where the uh, where the average so called swag or thug was actually the 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 icon of masculinity. Okay, it's kind of brought. It, it's kind of looked upon as a common language now. If you can't talk hip-hop or you can't talk swag you can't uh talk uh lower class that means you're you're uh you're judging you don't fit in right whereas if you go yes, back i can agree with that because yeah. i was that kind of got me in the movement back then in the day i was mm. you know i was growing up when they came out and yeah it, yeah. it did and yeah you're right yeah so I, I noticed what even with uh my children they came up code switching okay uh professionally they could code switch and speak the king's english but socially okay they would start using language you know, using more a lower class common vernacular so it's so it's a it's a social thing in my opinion it's it's kind of weird because it freaks people out like they don't know i'm black till they actually see me on a call mm-hmm. and it's like wait a minute you speak proper Sure. Yeah, you don't fit. You're not authentically black because you 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 you're wide. You're 280 pounds of muscle and you're dark, and said it doesn't fit. Yeah, well, they could kiss my 280 pound. You know what? Yeah. And that's how I felt about it because eventually you have to be your own man and enjoy yourself because in a community that always acts is for people to understand us, we are very narrow minded towards our intelligent folk. Very narrow mind. Yeah, yeah. See, as an ADOS man, as an as, you know, American descendant of slaves, I got some white in me, DNA wise. So uh, I can use King English. It's genetic. <laughs> yeah, it, well, the thing is, it doesn't fit the archetype. Jay Doe, you want to get in? Uh, yes, sir. Um, just uh, greetings to everyone. Uh, great work, uh, Dr. T. Hassan Johnson. Uh, you as well, BGS, and uh, you, you as well, uh, Mr. Faulkner. Um, I just want to throw my my uh, experience in with this. Um, I've dated a wide range of of women, races, uh, all shades within the black community or whatever. But I notice in particular uh, when I'm dating um, lighter skinned black women or uh, women of other races that are you know very light light skinned they uh a lot of them told me this they'll they'll say hey i really love the contrast of my skin against yours like it was mm-hmm. some sort of mm-hmm. infatuation with that it's a fetish, mm-hmm. it's a fetish mm-hmm. yeah, it's a yes. fetish, yeah. It, it was very they would say i just really like the way your dark skin and i'm not the darkest of black uh black man you know i'm kind mm-hmm. of middle medium brown but they they would just really just obs- obsess over it and just look at it and I, and mm-hmm. you know that i kind of felt um obje- objectified so to speak you but were. you know i i took advantage of it whatever mm-hmm. and uh, also yeah they would um separate you into different body parts or whatever so whatever mm-hmm. they admire uh, mm-hmm. on you they just separate it and say oh i really it's like they want to they want to they say they want to devour. They want to take your body part, mm-hmm. or they want to devour it. Right, right. Like that's actually, wow. Consume it. Yes. Wow. That's primal. Yeah. That's so to primal. speak. Yeah. And um. Kind of and also, I noticed um. 
go ahead. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And um, also, um, uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a pretty like me, uh, athletic build, slim, um, mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. muscular, depending on how much I work out, but never uh, uh, chubby or you know or whatever. But I notice like whenever I do hit the gym and really get get my um my weight up maybe it's it's within a range of 10 15 pounds when mm-hmm. i do have that extra muscle on man i get so much more attention yeah. from women it's yeah. it's again another primal uh, i aspect of that it is, it is and, primal. Uh, and uh and it just seems like they uh these women they, they get imprinted somehow a psychological or sexual or uh, of what type of man or what type of body part they like, and if you if you possess that, mm-hmm. you know you're 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 in there. And yeah, doesn't matter your cool. character, or anything else. It's just, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, you that's, have that's, access. That's an imprint. Yeah, the muscular body is like a diamond ring. She want to show you off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, that's all I wanted to share for now. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming up. Um, I'm going to drop the link again for anybody else that might want to come in and drop a few words on this. Um, but this is not, you know, usually when we have these discussions in my classes for many of the brothers, it's the first time they've ever heard of colorism being associated with them. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's not considered a discussion that, you know, black men should have because the concept has been gendered, you know, feminine, female. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot missed in that discussion because there's been, I mean, really, since the onset of slavery, there's been a war, um, you know, amongst men, white and black, most particularly about, you know, a number of things, one of which is, you know, who can be a man. And this mm-hmm. is why when you see Dr. Tommy Curry's book, The Man Not, that's the basis of it. Black men are told that we are not only less than men. There was a time we were framed as children. Uh, of course, we've also seen associations with um, you know, apes and so on and so forth. We've been termed the missing link, you know, in terms yeah. of also these evolutionary theories about black regressive primitivity and so on and so forth. But the idea really comes out of this notion of who's, who should be considered men and human for that matter and who shouldn't. So black men have been fighting uh, a number of battles, one of which is to be men in and of itself. And that battle still plays out in terms of this colorist discussion. And it's also something we experience within our own community and we need to be able to talk about it, you know, intelligently, um, you know, the ways that we experience objectification, the ways that we, you know, experience being, um, you know, fetishized uh, within and outside of the community. All those things mm-hmm. need to be put on the front table. Right. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask both of you master teachers a quick question? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. BGS. I know you don't like the term, but Dr. T. Hassan has entered the master teacher group. Okay, so you're not alone. <laughs> I, I don't have any arguments about it. I have no arguments. So let, let okay. me give, give me a little bit of caveats. I'm just a black man in the in the world, in the space, and I ain't qualified for nothing. Now, he, here's my question. Mm-hmm. All right. Why is it so hard for men to not realize that we are we are applying what women view us as and then we're judging other men on what their manhood is not by manhood standards but what women think 
and what we're trying to game out of them. And because we're trying to say we get more of, you know, Taco than you, but that dude got more money than you. And, you know, that, that could, could you both master teachers explain in, that? In, in, in and other maybe words, enlighten them. The rest in, of them? We, we talked about it before. Basically, uh, if, if you're raised in a gynocracy, right, you, you view your manhood through the eyes of your women. Mm-hmm. So, and I've said that many, many times, right? Even uh, how much taco you can get, right? In other words, who is that more valuable to? Okay, the man that gets more taco is actually more pleasurable to who? To women, more entertaining, more sexually uh, aggressive, more sexually appealing. Okay, and who's that important to? It's not important to men; it's important to women. Mm-hmm. So your man is actually seen through the lens of what's important to black women. Absolutely. I think that was well put, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So basically, we're human doings, and they're just human beings. You, you, you're human objects. You know, like, like, the, like, uh, Doctor Johnson. Can you tell us about your, uh, your, your con- surf theory, sir? <laughs> <laughs> That's what it means. That's what CocuSurf is. Is concubine. In other words, uh, uh, Dr. Johnson coined the term from, from concubine and surf, right? Surf is for labor, resources, and whatever kind of physicality you can actually extract from them, right? But a concubine is a sexual being that's there to give sexual pleasure, right? And those are the two things that black men actually judge upon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you can see Damn. all the different Damn. Uh, forms of sexual objective or the, the, the particular aspects of black manhood and this is just a few there's more uh, mm-hmm. we're just talking about a few off the top right mm-hmm. but we don't you know many of us don't think about it along these lines because we're so used to it but we've seen I'm, and as an academic i'm telling you i've seen multiple documentaries presentations lectures about how uh, all of this plays out mainly for women um so, you know, I just want to kind of take a moment to kind of put this on the table. This is there's there's none none of this that black men haven't experienced. And I remember having a debate with a feminist a couple of years ago and she laughed in my face. She said, are you trying to tell me that you think black men have been sexually objectified? I said, black men were sexually objectified in the U.S. before y'all were. Mm-hmm. I said, what are you talking about? But see, I got big is, but the thing about it is our sexual objectification is so standardized, so normalized, it's invisible. Mm-hmm. It's invisible. We are walking fallacies to many. Mm-hmm. We are mm-hmm. walking fallacies. Now, you, now I, is there I, a list for female sexual objectification, by the way? Because, I mean, most of this list, you know, due to the COVID, I, my income is messed up, but everything else is okay. I mean, uh, what about hers? <laughs> Oh well, well, we know what the, what hers is. It's it's uh, it's um, they, they've said it before. Uh, skin color, eye color, uh, the beauty aesthetic. No, you know, I'm hips. talking about the man's sexual objectification for women. This yeah, is the women's yeah. list. What's the male sexual objectification so for, for women? For, for male, for, it for ain't male this to... short. I guarantee, well, I guarantee you, it ain't this short in women's mind. Uh, well, ours, it's, it's, ours it's more nuanced. Ours isn't this short. This is just no, it isn't. Yeah. It's just it's something just I'm putting list. up for you to give something for you to have something to work with, but it's longer than this. Yeah. It's, it's just probably it's more nuanced. Normalized. Yeah, it's more nuanced. It's, yeah, well, and it's been normalized. So we don't mm-hmm. see the reason I'm putting this on the screen is so we can actually think about it by looking at the various components and you know, just a few of them. But how many of us have actually stopped and thought about this? Mm-hmm. 
And if I ask you, if I press you, every man up here can talk about how they've experienced some aspect of this. But how mm-hmm. often do we talk about it in this way? And, and and actually use it to their advantage in dating. You know, actually look at the list. Foot. I I wear a size fifteen to seventeen. Whoever uh, wears a penis. What, I was happy is, with what I was born with. What, Height. What, what, I'm okay with. Age. Mm-hmm. Shit. I survived my twenties. Uh, masculinity. Muscular. Hell, muscular, I feel muscular, like I'm a man. Class and income, you know, due to the pandemic, we all kind of broke. And then the last one, which I can't see because, oh, skin tone. Okay, the last two is the main ones they judge you on. Mm, The rest of that shit, the rest of that shit is pointless. No, not really. No, trust me, believe. No, it's not. What's that Uh, comedian that almost lived to 100 years old, George Burns? Didn't he if, have a kid like in his eighties or something? Yeah, he did because he had money. But that's that's a different that's a different. Here you go. You see the last two points yeah, on that list yeah, matter. Different. I guarantee you. <laughs> I guarantee you get more sexual access with penis size than you do with money. <laughs> but go ahead. George uh, go Byrne ahead. looked like a goddamn California raisin. He BTS. did. He, Come on. He's also, he looked also like a white, white California raisin, like well, a white great California raisin style. The shine. He's also white. He's also white. Go ahead. Uh, okay, oh, I can't. Lamar. Okay, fine. You right, win. You checkmate me. You checkmate. I'm sorry. Hold I'll on. shut up. Hold on. Uh, let me go ahead and get uh, Amari in. Um, uh, give us your thoughts on some of this, Amari. What are you thinking? Oh, can you guys hear me? Yeah, yeah we, we can got hear you. you. Okay, perfect. Um, so I had two points that I had posted in the chat. Um, first point was my, you know, uh, my grandmother. Um, as, I'm, I'm, uh, my family from the islands or from Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandmother was dark skinned. My grandfather is light skinned. His family, there, his side of the family, there. I mean, you'll never see a person in, on his side of the family married to a dark skinned person. Um, mm-hmm. There, what we in the in Jamaica, like in America, in uh, the New Orleans area, you guys have like the bourgeoisie. Yes. In Jamaica, that we're we're my his side of the family's that version. In the islands, they just right. they got to be light skinned, you, you know, and it, it was just so weird. Now, my mother's light skinned, and so basically, all their offspring they had eight offspring, half and half dark skinned, light skinned. The dark skinned people had light skinned kids, the light skinned people had dark skinned kids. And if you have more than one kid, you're gonna have a, a plethora of uh shades, right? Right? So, I have a light skinned son and I have a dark skinned son, and um, my youngest son's dark skinned oldest son's light skin. And I, I noticed this on Instagram when a, a couple years ago. I would post pictures and I post separate pictures of them on purpose. And and it's like I would get like say a hundred likes from my oldest son. But then my youngest son was always getting like 80, 60. And I was just like mm, okay let me try something different. What I did was I posted a picture of my youngest son first. Hours. I waited hours, mm. and my oldest son still ended up with more likes. And I was just like, mm. and I just continuously do it. And to this day, it's the same way. And I brought it to the attention of my mom, and even my mom looked at it like that's weird. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what I had to say about you know just on the topic is just like, I just think the thing is so baked into some of us. It's just it's not even funny. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it is. It is. Mm-hmm. And it's, yeah. it's 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 class. 
that that's a representation of class by skin color. Shame. BGS, can I ask you, everybody, okay, when you were growing up, what mm-hmm. was the value, the respect, and how class was viewed at your time growing up? And let's go through the generations and see well, how we, it we changed. Don't have, we don't have a lot of Is time that possible? No, not really. We oh, okay. Can we? Okay. Real Is quick, that an idea that might be able to be a different show then? It, I've done. Okay. Uh, how class. Okay. Got to remember real quick. Right. Um, Go ahead, sir. The, 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 in, in after slavery, especially after slavery, right? The offspring of the slave master was always what? Lighter skin, looser hair, right? That's a buffer class. That's what the. Was that uh, the Blue Lake Grown? Yes, sir. I, I want to keep this short because I want to bring Ian to come in. So, yeah. so No, I say make this a different show, but could we, y'all we, touch we, on we, it? We'll touch on That's it another all. time because, because you can That's go back. That's all I wanted. Another show. I was just okay. asking a question while I had you okay. up here. That's okay. all. Okay. All right. Y'all continue the show. I'm sorry, but I just wanted the thinkers it, to think about it. Well, this is well, we we've done shows on it already, but we'll do it another show at a different time. That's called class. That's that's uh that's origination of, of colorism in America is class. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Ian, uh, go ahead. Ian, come in on this. What are your thoughts? Oh man, I got too much experience around this. I got, I mean, shit. I just got too much experience. <laughs> shit, because I mean, because I guess I'm, I am, I guess what it would be typical light skin. So mm-hmm. I mean, everything that you're saying, I'm aware of on all sides of the equation. You know, okay. and then, you know, so you know, I've I've had a lot of sexual access. I guess you would say because mm-hmm. of being light skin. I think. I mean. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you, you what, know, what, even, what what part of the trifecta do you have? Uh, <laughs> you have all three, two of the three, one of the three. Okay. Um, I got. I mean, I've I've had a, I've had a couple of them. Okay. Uh, uh, so you had you would you have curly hair and light skin or light eyes, yeah. light skin? No, no. Well, not necessarily light eyes. No. Okay. Light but you get, but you got the curly hair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You got two of the three. Okay. Yeah. So. You know, you know, and so I mean, I guess what it, the the point is is that, um, I mean, it's all day, every day. People are just looking at me, man. They're just mm-hmm. staring at me like I'm an alien. You know, because I'm in Atlanta. Okay. And- oh, wow, wow, yeah. <laughs> God Almighty, man, it's, this this shit is irritating, man. Mm-hmm. The shit is irritating, man. Everybody is stop, look, like yo, you ain't never seen seen them up. Listen. It's the weirdest thing. Listen, the gay, the gay men, God Almighty, the gay men, the females, mm-hmm. even straight men be looking at me. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, what, what these niggas looking at? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You are an alien, you know. In Atlanta, especially, it's very. I've heard that before. It's very desired. And more the the closer you get to the to the trifecta, the better. Right, right, right. Like like the like Amari, uh, he when he was up here, he said no, Amari was actually uh uh the brother. Uh, he said that uh, Co- was it Kofa, I think it was Kofa. He said he only has one of the three, so he's not the right light skin. Okay. Okay. And and the thing is, I and I and I I say I have a lot of experience because my brother is is darker skin. Mm-hmm. And not and and more. He he has the typical more typical 
looking black features than than I than I do. You know, okay. nose features, hair, uh, darker skin, everything. Okay. Right? okay. So you know, and so you know, but so I've always been, I've always been sensitive to this because I realized how my brother was kind of treated differently than I was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Even, even by my own parents. Right, so, right. Um, yeah, it's true. Wow. You know, you know, he was he they 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 saw him more more adulterous, you know, mm-hmm. more as an adult. Okay. You know. And you know, yeah, he was more severely punished in a lot of cases and different mm-hmm. stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know. And you know, so so it was it was hard. It it was hard for me because you know, I really love my brother. You know, and um, it, it put a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, on, on him, you know, that my brother used to take it out on me, and we, you know. And mm. so, oh, yeah, that, that happens. Yeah. OK. You know, so it, it took a while, you know, for us to really, you know, get our relationship back. But, you know, it was a lot of trauma that he had to endure looking at how I was I was treated comparatively to, to him and everything. So. Mm. You know, and, and and eventually, you know, I I had to realize, you know, what I'm saying that, because um, because I I even as a young as a young male as a kid, mm-hmm. I used to kind of make fun of his features, right? Mm, yeah, that's what you're taught. Yeah, you know, and I I mean, and I and so what one day I remember I was playing with my GI Joes. I might have said this. I, I I set the white I set the black one aside, the guy with the mm-hmm. bald head and shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I set him aside. And I always do the heroic type of shit with the with the white with the white one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I said, and I, and I looked at myself. So I said, I think I was in fourth or fifth grade. I looked at myself. I said, man, why am I doing this? Where does this come from? Mm-hmm. And I looked up at the TV in my room, mm-hmm. and I said, I got it from the TV. And, and I'm I'm a, I'm mentalizing all of this in my head, like at fourth and fifth grade and shit. You know, realizing that I've been brainwashed you know, to see color in the way that I did. And from then on, you know, I, I wised up and I realized and I accepted and I saw myself as a as a black male, you know, and, and I identified with that, you know, from then on. So that that's that's partly my past. You know, I'm a born again black man. You know, I <laughs> you know, so <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. All right. Hey, I wanted to give y'all a small story that I, I the first time I remember that color colorism existed and how how they I knew they treated me and how men could get sex off of it. I came home one afternoon after football practice when I was staying with my grandfather when him and my grandmother separated. And he was like 60, 60 at the time. Just so happened one of his best friends was over at the house. But uh, I hadn't seen this dude since I was, you know, about six or seven. And my granddaddy was 60, 61. His best friend was 83. He comes he comes in, he says, hey, Cork, you remember him? I said, yeah, kind of vaguely. And, you know, we introduced ourselves. He said, I'm going to tell you something about this guy. He 83 years old and he got 23 kids. I said, huh? He said, yeah, and guess how old his youngest is? And he was 83 at the time, BGS. Mm-hmm. His youngest at the time was like nine months old. I said, "Wow, get out of here. I was like, dude, you still got it like that? He, and check this out. The, the baby mama was 
uh, like 19. So out of these three kids, he done side. He had only been married once, but uh, mm. but he had, he he had like four from his original wife, and the rest was street. And I'm like, mm. dude, you still got it like that? And my grandfather was just sneaking that because my jaw was just dropped, and I was like, I mean, now this dude was like high yellow with super mm -hmm. duper Ricky Ricardo wavy hair, mm. and he was about he was about five foot seven, and mm. he didn't have. He had a hump in his back, like you know, old man. He stood straight up tall, you know, we same height. And I'm like, dude, you still getting around the movie? He said, Man, my Johnson been working and it ain't gonna mm. stop till what? I'm telling you, so okay. and my grandfather looked at me and winked, say, Now when you you see I got my little four girlfriends over here at the same time, you, you ain't got no reason to trip now, huh? Cause I used to trip out on my my granddaddy because when him and my grandmother separated, you know, he didn't stop living. He was like, I, I got lady friends. I said, Granddaddy, what's you got girlfriend? No, I got lady friends. They know I'm married. They know I ain't never go divorce your grandmother, but your grandmother living in Colleen, and I'm gonna stay here in this house that I bought. And whoever I decide I want to come over, they go come over. And one time he told me that I thought he was bullshit, just so he could prove a point to let me know that he wouldn't have the game. He had all four of them over there sitting on the couch. When I walked mm -hmm. in another neighborhood, sitting there socializing, and this and I'm looking at him, and I said, "Granddaddy, come here." He come over there sneaking. I say, "Do they all know that you smashed it? They, they all." And he turned and said, "Don't y'all know I'm all hitting y'all?" Yes, yeah, yeah. I'm like, "Gee, these old bitches don't give a damn, man." <laughs> language, <laughs> sir. Language. <laughs> uh, I'm these, these old bras don't give a dang. I was like, "God." So that's when I realized I don't care how old you get as a man, you just we get better. When they hit the wall, we get better. And he he yeah. proved it to me. I, I just wanted to share that with y'all. It just took me aback. I was like, wow, man. Yeah. The, the qualifications are different, but the, the one thing you did say is that uh, light skinned man with Ricky Ricardo hair had 23 kids. That shows you about genetic right. currency. Yeah, <laughs> my granddaddy had that good salt and pepper wavy curly hair too. So you know, and he was six yeah. foot three, two sixty. So okay, that helped so too. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Twenty three. I know. Oh, yeah. I'm, but you know, but let me let me say this though, man. It's, that it's, was really information. Damn. Yeah. Go ahead. Grandpa in. was awesome. Let, let me say no, his best friend. Not, not my granddad. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, y'all. Go ahead, Ian. Go ahead, Ian. I, yeah. Let me say this. I, there's a there's, there's kind of a drawback though, because in in terms of the the sexual marketplace. So uh -huh. what I found is that I can I can I can fuck the chicks, right? But uh -huh. I really have a relationship with them because they they really want me to be a fucking white man, and then mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. and then when when that when that black when that born again black man comes out, mm -hmm. <laughs> they like they they look white at it like man I'm, with a great suntan. <laughs> yeah, they, they, look, they look they look at me like I'm a traitor. You yeah, know you're you okay. If you see a, a light skinned man with with good hair and he's talking black, he's a radical. He's, he's almost like a race traitor. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. That's how they yeah. treat me. They treat you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's and again, that's a different type of objectification, right? You're held to a, an unrealistic standard that has nothing to do with who you actually are.
mm-hmm. and they they come into that you know those kind of dynamics looking at you that way so you know you got to decide how you want to deal with that like like on, on the other side of it you know i've had women actually i've had different racial groups of women approach me with the assumption that i'm either a criminal mm-hmm. based on you know just how i look or and this is something i started to get as i got older i'm, I'm a retired nfl player (laughs) 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 i put that phd ring on every day you know they look at me like what team did you play for (laughs) (laughs) women have a phd and assumption outranks it and then they mad like you got a phd i thought you would have thought about this situation before you got in the situation but never mind all they saw was the ring, the size in the ring. Instead, it right. started with oh, he had that's the championship ring somewhere right. on his hand. So if yeah. I'm out in the store or something like they don't, they, it never dawns on there. It could be an academic thing. It's it, right, yeah. You know, what team you play for? But but I'm simply saying, just like Ian, you have a different set of a, of you know ideas associated with darker skin that play into this as well. You know the fact that I'm either an athlete or a criminal. You know on first glance, when you know nothing about me. Right. You know, those kind of ideas that are associated to darker skin color. And, you know, so he's he's dealing with the other side of that as a lighter skin man, the association of lighter skin with what wealth with certain, you know, as he said, they see me as a white man. Right. Those are the kind of ideas. So when we talk about objectification, I just want to point out black men experience this and it may express itself differently based on skin color, based on class, based on living location, you know, your height, you know, all these different things we've been talking about. But it is something we experience, and we do need to talk about this and be more forthright about it. Because right now, people are under the belief that black men don't experience it at all. It's just something only women get. Mm-hmm. Dr. Hassan, can I ask you a quick question on that? And you killing mm-hmm. it. Why do black men only get less than 60 seconds, but everybody else get a few minutes? Less than 60 seconds about it's, what? It's about it when I'm less than approach. 60 seconds before they decide. Oh. No. Well, you get you know that less than six seconds, yeah. but everybody else get a few minutes, 10, 20. We get less than 60 seconds because, because, and they decided. Because, because uh, your first 12 seconds has already put you in a category. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Sam's already Thank told you, you BGS. I just wanted everybody to know you get yeah, less like, than 60 well, seconds, well, well, and the first 12 is about to get your ass. You know, you know, you you put you put you in a category like like Dr. Johnson says he's he's you know he's six two he's a big black man he's got the ring on so they sized him up said oh he he's a professional athlete that's retired so which that which first, which can be which can be an advantage okay which, which can be an advantage. <laughs> You know what it is? It's the fact that it's the fact that Doctor Doctor Hassan is so is so laid back. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He's like, yo, he he got to be retired because that, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's stereotypical. Doctor Hassan ain't walking and running up on you. He he is taking a slow crit walk, and he wow. ain't doing nothing. Nobody like. But here, you know, you thinking he messing with a gun, his balls itch and he scratches through his oh pocket. Oh, all, right, all right, all right, all right. Leave right. him alone. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Even when I was younger, because I when I was at Temple, I, this I was 21. And I was working on my master's at Temple, and I had a job tutoring the football team. Mm-hmm. But I was in the gym four hours a day, so okay. I looked like they did. You know what I mean? Okay. And people would assume. So when people would see me walking the campus, I actually had a few people walk up and ask me for my autograph. Now, 
the closest relationship I got to the team is I tutor them. I ain't been nowhere near a football field, but they saw, you know, dark skin brother, locks, you know, not locks, uh, muscular, and they just assumed I had to be a player. When I got mm-hmm. older, that transitioned into retired NFL players. Mm-hmm. So it, just, it was interesting to see the association, right? And again, it speaks to this whole question of how black manhood is perceived, this masculinity that, mm-hmm. you know, we must fall into these categories. But I want us to be clear that that is objectification. Mm-hmm. That's something that we, we, we've we heard only associated with certain groups. Don't get it twisted. You know, it, it, anytime you hear somebody associate you as a black man with the assumption of anything from, you know, having a large penis to, you know, whatever. Those mm-hmm. are very specific tropes that are tied to black men mm-hmm. and have been for generations. It's not mm-hmm. new. And don't get it twisted and let somebody tell you that we don't experience sexual objectification. No, we do. Even by our own women, it's just mm-hmm. accepted. Mm-hmm. It's accepted. Hollywood <laughs> is the biggest player in that sexual objectification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Hollywood definitely plays into that. And let me and let me say this too. I, like, so I'm on Clubhouse a lot, right? Oh shit. So, so, so here's here's the thing. So, and you know, I'm on. I'm 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 heavy on this, right? And and uh-huh. usually I'm like, man, I'm killing. I'm killing folks. You know what I'm saying? And and I'm the most uh, outspoken. You know, the the loudest, the the roughest, the toughest individual with it coming with the masculinism right and um mm-hmm. and but but here's the thing though another guy so so i so i got the i got my light skin i guess ptr or whatever mm-hmm. and so another guy who's darker skin he can get away with kind of bringing the same energy that i'm bringing right mm-hmm. but when i bring it i'm immediately kicked from the room you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. right. yeah Okay. I don't know. I don't know. They, it's like they'll they'll accept it more from a darker skinned brother, but a lighter skinned brother coming against feminism and all that. They're mm-hmm. like, "Yo, this is yeah. the devil." Yeah, you're radical. Yeah, feminism. That's why they get the kickback. You post to you light skin. That is your uh, what it, what do you call it? Uh, stereotype. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, every dark man is supposed to be such and such. Mm-hmm. You supposed to let her. Wow. Blah, 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 blah. This is what women decided. We are men and we're judging other men on what. uh going to be a good woman for you anyway. But we at least slept with her. That's how we that's how we going at it right now. And everybody else. And we don't realize do you realize the thing you want to sleep with? Okay. The taco right. okay. is okay. the that's reason why you judging every Hold other on. man right. like Hold they on, ain't men. All right, let's shine. Now we're gonna when I'm one things I'm gonna do, because I, I said I want to do it for about an hour. We're at the two hour mark. So I'm gonna bring uh, everybody down. I wanna thank uh LaShawn, AL and Ian for coming up. So um Appreciate thank you. Hey, 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 Dr. Hassan though, man. We gotta be we gotta keep it 100 though. You know you walking around with that with that chill with that chill vibe, bro. And you 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 really giving off like yo, this guy is retired, 
He's living on the beach. And he got the locks too. Yeah, he got the locks. Yeah. <laughs> he said he's living on the beach. Fellas, <laughs> right, appreciate you. All right, man. Take it easy, bro. Right. He said living on a beach. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. A little mansion on the beach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's cold. Well, anyway. <laughs> I wanted to thank you for this BGS coming up and dropping it. Any any thoughts, any closing thoughts about this whole issue you want people to be like, you know, you want them to leave with? It's uh like it's it's something that black men don't really talk about. Um, even though we we kind of use it in, in dating and mating, but we don't know how widespread it actually is. It never actually codified it and mm -hmm. how it um even though we experience it, never actually put it all in one place. Um and uh, even um even with the light skin, dark skin um, uh, debate that goes on sometimes, like, oh, light skinned men aren't aren't popular. They're not popping. I said, do you have the trifecta? Like, mm. like, uh, uh, like the brother said, okay, I'm the wrong kind of light skin. Like, mm. there's a particular kind of light skin. The light eyes, the the, the hair, all goes in the same place, in the same category. Like uh, Al said about the 80 year old man that has a nine month old baby because he's got what? He's got. Uh, extremely light skin and he's got the uh, straight hair mm. and mm. and and the and the the 19 year old wants to give his genetics to the baby mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we don't know how how deeply embedded the stuff is actually is and how deeply embedded it goes and it's actually passed through the women it's not really passed through the men because a lot no. like ian was saying um he he, he didn't want to say his parents he want to say his mother actually did this you know his, mm. his women on his side you know, it, there's, so many, there's so many dimensions to this, you know what I mean? Like one of the things we talk about and one of the things I hear, you know, a lot, of course, is this whole question of, you know, black men chasing white women or light skinned mm -hmm. women. And most mm -hmm. particularly that's directed. It tends to be directed toward darker skinned men. Mm -hmm. But my grandmother told me something once as a kid that I didn't mm -hmm. understand at the time, but it took me a while to catch up with. One thing she told me is she said, I want you to be careful. She said, you know, because she was out of Texas. She was out of the South. Right. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and in terms of her life experience and her upbringing, she was a darker skinned woman. She said, mm -hmm. I want you to be careful. She said, sometimes what will happen is light skinned women will come after you if they can't find a white man mm -hmm. or, a, you know, a, 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 somebody that shares their complexion. Right. Mm -hmm. But the way I can't remember the way she put it, but the way yeah, you, 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 you worship, you worship them. Yeah. Well, you more than that, though, you'll worship them. But she said, she said what her grand, what her mother told her was that, they they've been taught to look for a dark skinned man that will kill himself for you, mm. right? He will work himself to death mm -hmm. to put you on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. So you know the obvious narrative there is you know that we've been trained because as you said we're in a gynocracy, so we're trained to see things from women's perspective. We're mm. trained to interpret it as a diss toward men's you know thing for lighter skin or white women, but we don't think about it in terms of how that can be used to exploit a man. Mm -hmm. right? so whether you're talking about darker skinned women looking for lighter skinned men to men to use them for their reproductive genes or mm -hmm. lighter skinned men looking for darker skinned men to work like a dog for them, whatever right. dynamic you want to bring into it. We're talking right. about an objectification toward black men on the basis of color mm -hmm. that we don't talk about. So the only right. time we're allowed to talk about that is if it's if, if it puts women in a position of being victimized. But it happens to men all, all the time. And men, in many respects, deal with it. We you know, mm -hmm. we know it's happening. 
but we deal with it to such a degree that we don't even often talk about it. It's just a, a given part of our reality. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like most other things, we just have to deal with it. You just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm saying it's time to pull this out of the closet, put it on the table. Say, no, this is happening. And it's never, and it, it's always happened. It's not new. I'm not saying anything new. I'm just saying it is, I'm classifying it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it, it, in, the next time you find yourself in a discussion about colorism, you mm-hmm. know, don't have any hesitation about including what men go through, light and dark. The reality is both groups experience being objectified along for different reasons, along different, you know, experiences. And the stereotypes might slightly differ, but they're a mirror image in some respects of the stereotypes women deal with, except the, uh, the component that men have to deal with is that, it, you know, what men deal with tends to be more extreme. So it's not just that you might be dangerous or criminalistic, but you might kill somebody. See, that's mm. the part of this. That's what we talked yeah. about when we were looking at the police homicides against darker skinned black men and the fact that they're perceived as having weapons just because they exist. It's right. not just that they're dangerous. It's not just that they might rob you, but they might kill you. Yeah. Like you said, that you trigger uh, emotions in their brain, mm. a reaction in their brain that mm-hmm. they, they're, not, they're unconscious of. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. become more heightened, more afraid just because you're a black man. And if you're a big black man, it was like double that. Yeah. I, need, I need backup because he's yeah. got a weapon. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But I just want to, you know, I just want to put that on the table. You can be light, you can be dark, and you can still experience objectification. And, you know, on the basis of color, you can also experience sexual objectification on the basis mm-hmm. of color. You mm-hmm. can be fetishized for being black and then more particularly fetishized for whatever color you are on top mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that language needs to be out there. Brothers need to think about these things, articulate their experiences and do so with a full, you know, throated, you know, kind of st- approach to it because, you know, these people act like we don't exist. And, and this whole this whole kind of conversation around black male privilege um, mm-hmm. has kind of washed over some of the nuances of our experiences on top of that. And so we need to we need to challenge this mess. So I appreciate you, you know, being willing to come through um, and go from the phone to the show. So thanks yeah. a lot. For yeah, you got me again, Doc. You got me again. I have no problem letting brothers know we got to We got to give people their flowers. <laughs> So thanks a lot, man. All right, Doc. All right, I'm going to pull you down. Um, I appreciate y'all for checking out uh, the the show, The Honest Report. I hope you continue to do so. Like, share, subscribe, join, and donate. Support the channel so we can continue to bring this to you. Uh, Shout out to innerlightradio.com. If you're not familiar, go to the website. Check them out. Black-owned. We need to support that. Um, for those of you that uh, whose comments I couldn't see, whether you're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitch, or uh, Twitter, I uh, wish y'all a good night. Hope y'all are well. Uh, I look forward to reading through the comments and hearing more about your experiences. so We can get a sense of what exactly black men deal with, even if we buried it into our subconscious, because again, it's been so normalized. We, this is just reality for us. And there are not a whole lot of documentaries looking to talk to us about these experiences, but they need to be talked about. Even if we make these documentaries our damn selves, right? So have a good night. Peace. I am here to tell you, brothers, we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man-children, sperm donors, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, unintelligent henchmen, 
valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child discipline proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. Peace.